And if you're a parent at home thinking about my kids probably can't sit through an entire sermon, A, this will be pretty short, and B, my wife and I, Caitlin, did upload a video for a children's lesson on Palm Sunday. So if you want to check that out, you can go to asimplemanofgod.com or YouTube, A Simple Man of God. And just look for the Palm Sunday message. And it's only about six minutes long, has questions. And it's basically this sermon condensed. That being said, let's get into today's message. I would like you to imagine you're a first century Jew. And think about what's going on around you. You have a hostile government. You have foreign soldiers in your streets, people telling you what you can and cannot do. You have turncoats, people from your own country, your own people who have sided with this foreign government. They're doing things like collecting taxes, taking your money and giving it to somebody you probably think don't deserve it. They join the army, which means they might even be fighting against their own people. You have weak and compromised leadership that changes what God's word says to make sure they don't make the government angry. Probably sounds a little familiar right now. So while you're in the middle of all of this, constantly worrying, is this government going to send people to kill us? Are they going to tell us we can no longer worship our God the way we're supposed to? Here comes this man named Jesus. The one everyone is calling the Savior of Israel. Finally, someone to throw the Romans out of Israel. Restore our country to greatness. Here is our great prophet and king. Oh Lord, save us. Hosanna. And then there's this Jesus. Who knows all of these expectations. And then he subverts them. He knows our longings, but he has his purpose. We see this triumphal entry. It is a celebration. Here is our Lord and Savior. Finally, God has come to do everything we expect him to do. But then the cross. That is not what anybody expected. Jesus even told us in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. But we're still on Palm Sunday. We are still at the triumphal entry. And what is happening? Here comes this guy riding on a donkey. And if you're still thinking about being this first century Jew, here's this person coming to save us. And they worship him. You're worshiping this guy riding on a donkey. And what does Christ do? 
he accepts the worship. But did the people really know who they were worshiping? The cross shows us why he can accept worship from people who don't know what they're worshiping. The cross reminds us we should be showing grace to our brothers and sisters who worship in error, who teach in error. Because it might just be from misunderstanding. Doesn't mean we don't defend against the faith, defend against truth, but we have to remember grace. Why? Because here are hundreds, possibly thousands of people, because everybody's gathering for the Passover in Jerusalem from all over the known world. And they're just waiting for this king to overthrow a hostile government. They don't get what he's here to do. On January 17th, this year, I had to take Caitlin to the airport. After I did this, I stopped at my favorite coffee shop down in the valley. I just wanted to be able to Stop in, update the owners on how life has been going, coffee, church, everything. It's a technically church-owned coffee shop. And uh, wanted to fill them in that my then 10-month-old nephew had been hospitalized. He had hand, foot, and mouth disease, pneumonia, RSV, and a slew of other things. And it was not good. There were so many children who were going to the hospital at this time with much of the same stuff. Some kids went in before my nephew had to go in, and some had to go in on the same day. And yet, my nephew was able to leave after only four days on Christmas Day. Well, there was a customer sitting there. The two of us walked in at the same time at opening, and he said, hey, How's, how is your nephew now? Did he get better? And being a Christian, couldn't help myself. I had to say to my also atheist sister that I can't help it, but I just see this as evidence that prayer works because all these other kids are still in the hospital, but your son got to go home on Christmas. I was talking to a self-ascribed militant atheist, which means, as soon as I said that, boom, he had to reply that if there is any God that exists, he royally messed up, cleaned up for all the kids out there when he made humans. So you probably believe he made your nephew sick, which means he's evil if anyone helped your nephew get better. It was those doctors. I went from celebrating what God had done to this very unexpected, what's happening right now moment. I found myself getting attacked for my faith. What is 
the most interesting in this moment is all of a sudden I had this calm peace wash over me. And as this guy is screaming at me and cussing at me, all I could do is listen. And he finally got to the end of his rant and he asked, how come this world is so messed up if there's a good God? My response was short answer, sin. God gave us free will and we choose to mess up this world every day by rejecting him. But he plans on fixing it one day. I didn't get to share the full gospel with this guy that day. Because had to show some grace, had to show a little bit of wisdom. He admitted he's a militant atheist. What's he going to do? Is he going to start throwing chairs? Is he going to get up in my face? Is he going to terrorize any other customers that might come in? What about the business owner, my friend? But he was able to respect that a Christian not only stood his ground, but had an answer and believed it so that when he left later that day, knowing God gave me his grace to peaceably talk with this hostile man and calm him down, this man was able to leave saying, man, it was great talking with you. Great to meet you. Hope we can talk again sometime. So why do I tell you this? Why was I able to deal with this in the moment? Because I had celebrated what God did. I worshipped God. Which means I not only went, oh God, thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you for healing my nephew. I worshipped with my whole mind and heart. I studied the scripture. God promised he can heal, not that he will. So when he did heal, I could praise him. If he didn't, I still would have praised him because he's the one in control. He tells us throughout this book, he's got this. Trust him. Praise him. Always be ready with an answer when somebody asks you about the faith that you have. But because of what came over the week of Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, we know we can have this faith. Because what happened at the end of the week? The thing nobody was expecting. The crucifixion. The death. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of this, I could still worship God in the midst of people who hate him. Think back to those worshiping him on Palm Sunday. What did they think of Jesus? Matthew 21, verse 11. Eh, verse 10. He entered Jerusalem. The whole city was stirring up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus. These are people who see Lazarus, literally see Lazarus, a man who just a week earlier was dead. And they probably can't help but think about prophets like Elijah and Elisha, 
who raised the dead. They see the donkey, and they're probably thinking about Zechariah prophesying the king coming on a donkey. And they probably skipped to a specific part. Zechariah chapter 14, if you want to turn there, go for it. We're going to start in verse 1, but I'm going to start reading. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women <clears throat> raped. Half of the city shall go in, out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by the very wide valley. So that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to us all. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. It's Zechariah that prophesied the king coming on the donkey. So they're thinking... From chapter 9, he's coming, riding on a donkey, to chapter 14. He's going to kick these people out. Look at all the things they've done to our land, to our people. Here comes the king on the Mount of Olives to fight off the invaders and restore our nation. And can you really blame him? And did Jesus do a whole lot to dispel this belief that this is why he came? Because the very next day, what does he do? He clears the temple of God, kicks out all of the money changers and sellers. He has a zeal for God's house. After that, he rebukes and shames all of the Pharisees and Sadducees, those who have compromised, those who have said, we know better than God's word. He even sits down and celebrates the Passover with his disciples. And what was the first Passover? When a mighty prophet came and rescued God's people. But our Lord does not meet their expectations because, again, what else happened at the end of that week? The arrest, the abuse, the crucifixion. Even though Jesus warned them how many times, just in the last couple of months alone, the Son of Man must die. The Son of Man must be hung. If only they'd continued reading in Zechariah 14. Because the next few verses... On that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost, and there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But at evening time there shall be light. On that day living water shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day the Lord will be one, and his name one. What they didn't see is before 
God rescues his people, lots of bad things happen. And he removes all of the bad things in this world. The whole world. It's not just going to be Israel that doesn't have day or night. It's everyone. When you couple this with Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks are decreed about your people in your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. We see that the Messiah would bring an end to sin and rebellion worldwide. And then he would establish his eternal, worldwide kingdom. We can get so caught up in what we believe, we can miss God's purpose. So let's relatively quickly break this down and finish this out. Because on Palm Sunday, we're reminded of three things. One, Jesus accepts our worship even when we misunderstand and even believe wrongly about him. Show me one person in this world ever who got it 100% right on God. I'd keep waiting, but you will never find anybody who gets it completely right. So we show Grace, like I said at the beginning, we remember we all have things we believe and teach wrongly, even using the same Bible. Our thoughts will get in the way. There are prophecies that are hard to understand, teachings difficult to interpret. So let's remember, we all do it, so let's show some grace. Though, just as Jesus did rebuke the Pharisees and other teachers, we should be defending the truth. If somebody is in obvious error, we call them out. And if those teachers repent, awesome. Literally, God gets the glory. If they refused to repent, even if you can show them from the scriptures, this is what God said. That's when we distance ourselves. Not just from when we first hear a bad teaching, but after, hey, God's word says this. Not, why are you teaching horrible things? No, 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 no. Hey, God's word says this. Oh, but that's not what God said. Okay, I'm sorry, got to go. Let's also remember, not everything we disagree with is necessarily false teaching. I could give you a long list of things that people disagree on, but I'm going to focus on just a couple quick things. The disciples did not understand that this king was going to die in just a few days' time. Because what happened on Good Friday? They scattered. Jesus still loves them and brought them back. Remember the book of John. Peter, do you love me? Three times. This was a gentle rebuke against Peter, who not only abandoned Jesus, but then denied knowing him. Like, hey, you said you didn't know me? 
so do you love me? Yes, Jesus. We see that they scattered, they self-isolated. <clears throat> but that moment led to our salvation, all of our salvation from sin. Not just 12, not just 120, all who put their faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ through the cross. And the other one I want to look at, two men who lived... 250, 300 years ago. George Whitfield, John Wesley. One was a Calvinist. God is sovereign. He chooses who is saved. The other, an Arminian. It's all about free will and God's love. You look at our world today, the Christian realm, and these two sides constantly at each other's throats. And here are two men who loved each other dearly as brothers. George Whitfield even saying, when asked, do you think you'll see John Wesley in heaven, responding, oh no, he'll be much closer to the throne than I. We can disagree and still be Christians. Our second point that we learn from Palm Sunday is we worship and celebrate God without knowing everything that is coming. Like I said, the disciples had no idea what was going on. They dispersed. They self-isolated. We can kind of think about our Palm Sunday today in the midst of the C-19 pandemic. We don't see these things coming, but we look to our Lord and then we also find innovative ways to meet, like Zoom, Facebook Live, YouTube. We know that God leads us through hard things, and we rejoice and share the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ. We have been given a message of reconciliation. We have been given the gospel. And just as I was ready with an answer for an angry atheist... So, too, are we all commanded to be ready to give a reasoned defense for the faith that is within us. Especially when bad and hard things happen, like right now. That is 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15, for the record. Finally, we remember that our king shall return triumphantly, just as he first came to Jerusalem, but this time to institute his eternal kingdom on earth. Jesus warned and promised us he would return. Warned and promised us he would return. He was that gentle lamb in his earthly ministry, but he is returning as a strong lion and a conquering king. We need not imagine what the ancient Israelites thought about this coming kingdom. Because the book of Revelation, chapter 22, tells us what will happen when the entire earth is renewed by fire. When heaven literally meets earth and God's eternal kingdom is established forever. Starting in verse 1, 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And Jesus said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then we jump to the end. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all of you. Amen.